Hello and welcome to another episode of Cloud Security Podcast with Ashish. Similar to my last week's topic, no background music again, because today we're talking about security data lake. We spoke about observability last week, which is changing the way logging happens. And today we're talking about security data lake, which is changing how we consume logs from our organization into a seam and why maybe seam is not the future that you thought it has, especially with SOAR and playbooks not, pro- I guess, not really taking us to the promised land as they thought they would with automatic threat detection and response. Now, a lot of people have started talking about security data lake. And this is not the security data lake in the context of you as a security team are creating your own data lake. Instead, it's about collaborating with an existing data lake in your organization, which could be running on any data platform, tapping into that so that you can produce source of truth for your detection and response capability in the organization. We had Omer Singer from Snowflake. He spoke about some of the challenges you would face during the implementation in terms of the subtle differentiation between if you're trying to show value of security through Seam, how can that be achieved even with a secure data lake? What kind of things you should not expect from a security data lake? We had a lot of interesting discussions online as well from a lot of participants who were sharing their own experiences and they were talking about things like the challenges that they're facing. I think the comment of the week, or at least the comment of the episode for me was how SOAR was a great snake oil uh, for, for people who have been trying to experience how would they do SOAR in the organization. So I would definitely recommend checking this out. Again, I appreciate all the feedback and the questions that you guys left behind as well. So I had. Uh, people who had left questions, so I was able to ask them as well. So uh, thank you so much for sharing those. And as always, if you have any questions for a future episode, which you can't attend, feel free to send them to me over LinkedIn or email, and I'll be happy to include them in the questions. Or feel free to join the live stream, which is free. As always, if you like this free episode of Cloud Security Podcast, we will appreciate if you can leave us a review or a rating on your favorite iTunes or Apple podcast platform or Spotify, wherever you consume this content. Or feel free to subscribe us to our YouTube channel. So uh, it, your support means a lot. And you, you are the people who are making this happen. So I appreciate all the support that you guys give us to produce this free content. Thank you again. And next week, we are coming up with a real-life use case of observability platform. So um, that's a hint for what you can expect next weekend. But for this weekend, let's understand what is security data lake. And you will hear from Exonius first, who are amazing season sponsor who are making this thing happen in the background by supporting us. So I will play Exonius first and then we get into the episode. Thank you and I'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Time is the enemy of security and that's where Exonius comes in. Exonius helps organizations immediately know what assets they have and shows which devices, cloud instances and users adhere to or deviate from security policies. Learn more and try it for free at exonius.com. Have you heard of a nonprofit conference on cloud security called Forward CloudSec, where experts come in and talk about all the major cloud platforms from both an attack and defense research perspective, limitations of their security features, pros and cons of different security strategies, and a lot more about cloud security in a world where there is no vendor? Yes, it, I'm talking about ForwardCloudSec.org. Cloud Security Podcast is supporting Forward CloudSec because we have been part of this amazing circle of people who are contributing in helping people learn cloud security. And there is no way I was leaving the opportunity to not support them this year. 
And some of the highlights from the talks that they've had last time, they had a builder session, attack and defense section, and a multi-cloud and governance section. I think one of my favorite ones was, of course, from an Australian, uh, Ian. He did a talk on creating the AWS account controller. And there was Kat Trexler, who has been a guest of ours in the past around GCP primitive roles. We had a lot of conversations from really interesting people last year. And I am looking forward to this event as well. Although I can't be there in person, but for those who can attend the event in Utah, I would definitely recommend at least trying to make yourself available if you are obviously vaccinated and you're okay to kind of travel and visit a conference. Again, the website is fwdcloudsec.org to check them out. Welcome, Omar. I'm great. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming in, man. I think it's, it's always fun to have other security professionals coming in and sharing some of their knowledge, especially in the newer areas of cybersecurity as well. So for people who may not know who Omar is, can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So Omar Singer, computer engineer by trade. I live in Santa Monica, California, and I've been in cybersecurity for over 15 years now. So I got my start when I was at USC in LA. Back in uh, 2005, they were kind of early to the cyber game. And as part of the computer engineering program, they let us specialize. And there was a specialty in cybersecurity, which I thought was cool because I figured I could be building things, but it's going to be a lot more fun to be breaking things. So, <laughs> so I, I gave it a shot, got into cybersecurity then, and uh, I never left. And I've been on both sides. I've been on the defensive side and security operations center roles, been on the offensive side and cyber uh, intelligence gather roles, which was interesting as well. By the way, fun fact, you had that ad for earlier, and I actually served with the co-founder and CEO of Exonius. He and I did some interesting things together back in the day. So we have kind of a small, it's a pretty small community here in cybersecurity, and we get to know each other over, over the years. And and yeah, for the last four years, I've been with, with Snowflake, initially leading security and building up that team, building the security program on top of Snowflake as a security data lake. And that's the topic that you know we can chat about today. For the last year or so, I've had this uh, this title, uh, Head of Cybersecurity Strategy, that you and I were just talking before we started here about how that's kind of a title that I invented, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I think uh, we definitely need to like, peel off the layers of the strategy title. But to point about the security data lake, and this is the Cloud Native Month in Cloud Security Podcast this month. So what does Cloud Native mean for you? So. Cloud native is the idea with more and more of our security happening in, in the cloud, we have an opportunity to kind of rethink our approach. Cloud native is taking a fresh approach with things that are unique to cloud in order to secure cloud infrastructure. And, and I'll give you an example. So I mentioned that, you know, I started back in 2005, I was doing vulnerability assessments as kind of my first gig in cybersecurity. And I'd come with my laptop, I had Nessus installed on there and we kind of get the you know, plug into the network and we'd start scanning, right? And then we'd come out with a list of vulnerabilities and we'd help the customer to kind of patch those issues. Now, you fast forward today and there's still a lot of kind of scanning, vulnerability scanning going on, even in cloud networks. And if you install Tenable or Nessus on an EC2 server and scan the VPC, that's not cloud, right? And cloud native is taking an approach like side scanning, where you have uh, some exciting startups in cybersecurity doing side scanning techniques. They're looking at the snapshots that the IaaS provider takes and using those to understand what the vulnerabilities are. Now, that's something you could only do in the cloud. You cannot do that outside of the cloud, but it has all sorts of advantages. That's cloud native. That's awesome answer. Uh, by the way, the company that you're hinting towards, they in, I think, last month <laughs> to talk about how oh, they do right. site scanning and everything. Yeah, so those guys came in as well. Awesome. And I think this is probably a good segue into our topic as well then. 
So Chip likes to do security in cloud. And so I'm going to start with the very obvious thing then. What, what is a secure data lake? Let's just start with that. Sure. So security data lake is the idea where you're going to use a general purpose data plan to do security use cases like threat detection, incident response, evaluating security posture. You might call that security analytics. And it's as opposed to doing, to using a, a dedicated separate stack for security. And Security data lakes have been around for a while. You had security data lakes back, I would say, in like 2013, 2014 on Hadoop, which was exciting, but never lived up to its promise because of some of the shortcomings of, of Hadoop at the time. But like the idea is that you're taking general purpose big data technology and you're applying it to do whatever you need to do. In uh, and I, I think you said something really interesting. When you say using a generic data lake platform, because I think when I talk about data lake to a lot of people, they always think S3 bucket or something else. So we're not talking about S3 bucket over here. Well, we might be, we might be. I mean, it, this is where I think we have both a big problem and a big opportunity. As, as an industry, cybersecurity, we like to think that we're hot shit, that we're really technical, we're very technically savvy. Actually, as an industry, we've fallen way behind a lot of other industries when it comes to data analytics, making use of data. If you look at marketing and finance, they're actually doing a lot more interesting things with BI, ML, predictive analytics, all sorts of really exciting with data analytics and, and data science. And, and in cybersecurity, we really haven't, and it's been holding us back. I think the opportunity is aligning with what the rest of the enterprise is doing in order to get value from data. And so look, if your company where you're at is using an S3 based data in order to understand, for example, what ads to serve up or kind of what the financial picture is going to look like for next year and the cybersecurity, you as in cybersecurity want to align to that, then do it. Like basically join the, the company where it's doing its data analytics for a Snowflake customer or for, for a security team that works at a company that's a Snowflake customer, that might be getting on Snowflake. If you work at a company where BigQuery is the central data platform, then get on BigQuery. It's really the, the important thing is cybersecurity aligning to the rest of the company where they're doing interesting things with, with data. And, and just last thing on S3, like this is not an archiving, right? That's, that's a big misconception where people are thinking about security data like as a place to just archive a bunch of data, dump it, and hey, if I have an incident, I'll figure out a way to restore it. Like that's really leaving a lot of value on the table and probably introducing a lot of risk. There's really a lot of very interesting analytics that you can be doing as a security team. Actually, that is true because a lot of the S3 features just store and archive so you can save costs on it that's as right. well. Good point. Yeah, so the data, right? Not, not just all the storage right. problem. We need to have an analytics. Yeah, and I think to your point, not since you mentioned it like that, because S3 bucket is just this literally like a storage. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's not nothing running on top of it. It just... This is your data. Just do whatever you want with it. But you have to kind of add that layer on top, I think. It's not just a matter of, hey, I've stored everything and it helped me help me get all the information that I need to. Because I think you need to run some kind of thing, Athena or something on top of it. Anyway, I'm, I'm going in the wrong direction. But I think what, where I'm going to go with this was, it's, it's really interesting you mentioned that about uh, S3 Bucket. Then, So are we using the data to perform analytics? Are we behind in the times? But I thought themes of the world are maybe... If you talk about what theme is first, and I thought themes yeah, of the world were trying to... Let's define, yeah, let's define that. I know we kind of even frame this topic as like, you know, what is the future of SIM given the security data lake, right? And, and I think SIM as a category, it's really going to be challenged because if you think about, okay, secure SIM, 
it's security information and event management. The idea that I have a lot of alerts coming from all sorts of different sensors. I also have a lot of raw data, forensic data that's coming off of my endpoints that my EDR is generating. My IaaS environment is also recording so many facts about things that are changing, things that are happening, connections being established. And as a security team, I need to kind of have a place where I can go and either use that to have accurate threat detections or be in a position to investigate something, respond to an incident and mitigate the threat before some serious damage is done. Right. And, and generally most companies, that's the sin, right? That's kind of like the nerve center of the sock. That's where all the data is going. That's where the alerts are ultimately coming from. The problem is that the sims of today are built on technology. That's just not scaling. And there's so much security data out there now that it's a full-time just being able to have all this data in one place where you can ask questions of that data. That's it's just become really hard. And so when you talk to people who actually use a SIM, you hear, well, first of all, it might be the biggest line item in the security budget. So a ton of spend. And then in terms of the visibility, we're saying, Hey, it's the place where all our data goes. Then in actuality, it's getting maybe third of the data, some cases, a quarter of the data and much of the data can't be pulled into the, because these solutions are just so expensive on what they can collect and how long they can keep it. And that's putting us in a really bad place from an analytics perspective, because table stakes for good analytics is having all your data in one place where you can actually use it. And as long as the SIM is not able to support that, it's not going to be successful. And that's, that's why I think this is a really important topic to be, to be talking about and to kind of get informed on, on some of the exciting changes that are happening. So you're saying that I kind of like what you mentioned there, because the term that I think I've read that in one, one of your blogs, the whole vertically integrated seam, is not going to work. So I, I think when you, so when you say vertical integration, because everyone's trying to come into that one point, would that be different in a security data lake? Would that not be vertical? It, it would. Like if you look at the SIM solutions and, and we can call out who some of the big SIM players are. Splunk's the biggest SIM player by far in terms of market share. Yeah. Uh, you have Elastic having their own SIM. You have Sumo Logic having their own SIM. What all those have in common, all those technologies have in common is that they are log management solutions. They have their yeah. search engines and they're really expand. And what they're meant to solve is mainly kind of these DevOps use cases where you need to very quickly be able to ask questions of the data observability, log management type of use cases. And they do a good job of that. But if we need to get full visibility on all the data and really be able to ask questions across petabytes of data, going back a year or more, that's a big data challenge and big data is a hard problem. And a company that tries to solve the big data analytics problem and the security specific challenges around all the integrations around automatically identifying TTPs across all the different parts of the infrastructure and, and having an easy interface for analysts to use, like it's just too much. And when you try to do too much, you end up not doing anything particularly well. And so the model that we see emerging is the data problem you put on the data and, and that gets solved there. And, and you have this new category of tools coming, coming out called XDR for extended detection and response. And what the open XDR players are saying is, look, you put the data wherever you want to put the data, have the data in a place where you can cost effectively centralize it, aggregate it. And we're going to be laser focused on pulling the data in, normalizing it, enriching it, using it to do accurate threat detection and supporting an efficient incident response. And that kind of separation of duties that everybody that kind of best of breed, everybody focus on what they do best. That's 
the model that is not vertically integrated ends up being much more effective and and that we see our, our customers need. That's awesome. And I think that's very interesting, Joe, because a few people have kind of have got a question. So I want to switch over to that for a second. So I've got a question from our MS over here. Maybe it's just me, yeah. but I'm curious to know why do we need another data lake for security? Why not security folks build their own AI ML-based solutions related to security scans? It's a great question. Sorry. I see what you're saying. You, you hit on it exactly. Thank you for calling this out. I'm not proposing that security has a separate data lake, a separate data stack. In fact, what I'm saying is security join the rest of the company in the data stack that is serving all the other departments. We have this really kind of silly situation where the entire enterprise is running on a, some data platform and security has its separate data stack. And then it's really struggling to collect the data and to have interesting insights and to be data driven. Security is really struggling with that. And so we should not try to build a stack. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to say here. And the security data lake kind of nomenclature is not ideal. I kind of struggle with that as well. And if anybody has a better suggestion for what we should call this architecture, I'm listening. And it's actually, we are trying to kind of at Snowflake have, have more content on this. And we kind of just aligned to the terminology that was out there, kind of know what the hell we're talking about when we say use your your standard general purpose data platform for security use cases as well as everything else but but yeah it's definitely not separate and and in fact if if cybersecurity teams were more kind of with it when it comes to to big data i i don't think we would need one right you don't have like finance data lake marketing data like no it's just the data platform whether it's a data lake, data warehouse, doesn't matter. Just call it data platform. Like they know, they just use the central one. And and, and I think over time, yeah, maybe we'll just call it security analytics and, and everybody will know what we're talking about. Because I was thinking as well, because to your point, it does make sense that you don't want to add on to the existing thing. It's just more reuse what your company's already doing with data analytics. Just tap into that because they're already everywhere. And it's hard to get to a single source of truth. Like let's not underestimate the challenge there. That's a really important thing to, to do. It's what enables then everything else. And if you think about your security program, you probably today, you have some forensic data out with the EDR vendor. You have SaaS logs out with the SaaS vendor. You have maybe a multi-cloud environment and each cloud has its own logs. And then you have maybe some corporate data going to the SIM. Look at all those silos. How are you supposed to automate detection across that? Like are analysts supposed to be piecing that together in their heads? Like, of course, that's not going to work. Uh, and then each one has its own retention period. And now you have some of the data for some of the time. Anyways, I think this is really an important job, especially for anybody tasked with securing a cloud-centric infrastructure where there's just so much data to really treat this as a big data problem, aligned to the yeah. big data solution that the company selected, and then focus on how do you use all that data to do a good job everywhere else. Awesome answer, man. I've got a question from Wasim as well. Omar, do you see strategies such as SOAR and Playbook naturally bolting onto security data like easily? This is really where everyone is spending their time to build automation. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I think uh, SOAR is another one of these categories where everybody was super excited about SOAR, a huge promise. And I think the results have been a little bit underwhelming. <laughs> I don't know, like maybe we'll see you guys have, have done an exceptional job with your store, but many security teams I talked to, they bought a store solution. They were really getting into it. You ask them, what have you automated with store? And they'll tell you our phishing investigations, fully automated with store. And it's like, okay, well then there's probably more that we could be doing. And I think the reason why we haven't seen SOAR really deliver is because there's so much noise in the detect upstream from the SOAR, which automates kind of what do you do afterwards, right? There's so much noise in the detection, so many false positives that if you try to hook up your detections to your automation, it just these like robots would be going crazy, right? Because they're being sent everywhere and nothing would, would be kind of done as, as it was supposed to be done. What you need is you need high fidelity detections so that you can actually have automation. You could take the human out of the loop. Today, most security teams, they have to have people 
reviewing the detections before anything can happen downstream. And once you've got the person in there, that's it, you're done with automation. It's just not gonna happen. So I think once we have single source of in the security data, like you have all the data, you have an analytics engine where you can use context, you can use that complete picture to finally have accurate detections without all the false positives, then you can have SOAR actually start automating a lot more and get a lot more value from that. It's just there are these things that need to be done first, but absolutely all is kind of going in the same direction of automation. Oh, yeah, that's a great answer because I think Wasim has another one, which is MS have been working in a large bank who has been building the enterprise data lake. They hired a bunch of PhD data scientists four years on, They're still building and the biggest challenge is still how to aggregate the data at scale and correlate it sensibly. So they always oh, to comment to what MS was saying. And uh, Wasim also agrees that SOAR was snake oiled. I think all of, all of us are still waiting for the promised <laughs> land to be seen for SOAR. This is really awesome content as well, man. I'm glad we clarified the fact that, hey, we're not trying to build our own security data. We're just trying to bolt onto the existing one. It sounds like it needs to be in organizations that are already doing some kind of data analytics project. So anyone who's listening to this probably can go, hey, uh, my company's already doing data analytics. How do I tap into that to get some security information? Would that be the right way to kind of explain what security data lake is as well? Well, I think one of the, the nice things is that this movement, and I really do think that this is a movement of cybersecurity joining the rest of the company and doing analytics, but this movement has been gaining steam and vendors have been recognizing it. And we're seeing more and more vendors in the detection and response space, including traditional SIM vendors saying, we're going to embrace this architecture. And what we're not going to require you as the customer to send us a, a separate kind of slice of the data. We're going to hold it. And, and if you want this data, you got to come to us. You're seeing more and more vendors saying, we're going to come to you to where the data is. And, and it's coming from lots of different directions. We had early partnerships with XDR players like Hunter's AI. Panther Lab has this approach. Securonics, the highest scoring SIM vendor in the Gartner MQ, has now an, an open bring your own data lake architecture. Exabeam announced that they're doing it. So I think you don't need to start from scratch. You don't need to depend on data scientists just to get started. I think over time, you can make use of the fact that you have all this data in a standard general purpose data platform that supports data science to then hire data scientists or partner with existing data scientists in your company and do more with that. But there's a lot of capabilities backed by vendors that support this architecture. And then you can see some, some great progress which is working with an open vendor that, that supports this architecture. The vendors that remain committed to that vertical integration, those are the ones I think that are going to continue to hold security teams back. And I, I think they're on an evolutionary dead end because it, if you're trying to do both and security analytics, as well as, as companies that focus on one or the other, you're just not going to be able to keep up. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's really interesting what you mentioned about data analytics and data scientists as well, because I feel like, I don't know that many companies actually, like, it seems like there's a movement happening as you to what you just, are there a lot of companies who, that have already adopted this? I, I think the only company that I know of is Netflix because they, like, I think when I was talking to them uh, two, three years ago, they were, then they were hiring for data analytics. And I was like, why are you hiring a data analytics person for security at that point? So that was me being surprised at three years ago. But now it seems like it's the norm to have, if you have a lot of data to work, you definitely need some data analytics people in your team. So what's driving the adoption, you reckon? It's more the fact that people are starting to realize theme sucks. Did I say that? Yeah, well, definitely companies are doing it. It's not just Netflix anymore. Last year in Snowflake's award ceremony, we have like the Oscars of Snowflake once a year. And right. for the data science category, 
the Comcast security analytics team took home the, the award and, and they're doing a, a great job over there. And it doesn't all have to be AI really kind of scary, fancy stuff. Some of this data analytics is just BI, just having self-service reports where people outside of the security org can for the first time have direct access to some of the, of the data, the insights, the metrics, where for example, HR might have a role to play in your security program because they need to make sure that terminated employees get decommissioned quickly, right? They don't do the decommissioning themselves, but they need to start the process. In many companies, that process doesn't happen flawlessly. And sometimes you have employees and they still have access to their to different systems for days or weeks after their termination. That's scary, right? So if you can reflect to the HR vice, how their organization is doing in terms of opening tickets on a timely basis, they're going to probably do a better job because they have that visibility and they want others have that visibility. Maybe the CFO, maybe the CIO, maybe the CEO has visibility in their Tableau or Looker dashboards. And so they're going to do what it takes to, to do better there. That's analytics. Like if you just have that, that works. And people joining security sometimes ask me, like, what is the best skill I should, I should learn to get into cybersecurity? And you tell them, learn SQL because it's in such short supply today within cybersecurity. And it's such an enabler that I think it's a great skill to, to have. So I think that's accelerating. And again, just companies like Panther Labs that are saying, like, you don't need to build this yourself. We have the integrations that are going to turn your snowflake into us. The fact that they have that off the shelf available, ready to go, makes us accessible to, to many more security teams, including teams that are, they see themselves as engineers, right? They know Python, they want to build. And so having this kind of very scalable on a limitless platform that has all the data and you can kind of crunch it as much as you want. They have a lot of fun with it. And so they're embracing oh, that's, that's good to hear. I want a qu another question from Wasim here as well. Omer, do you find a good place to start is consuming cloud native telemetry first? Such cloud sources, a like cloud trail, I am then tackling on-premise next, or do you pull as much as you can at once? What are your thoughts on getting immediate value? Now, that's such an important question because a lot of times people are approaching a security data lake project, and, and this is kind of what I do. I work with teams that are kind of starting out these projects. So they'll start from the sources. What do I bring in? And I think this is maybe a relic of the SIM kind of poisoning our minds a little bit and making this all about log management. Like guys, we're not here to manage logs. We're not here to check a compliance box. We're trying to do better detection and response, right? At the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. That's right. And hey, if we can be proactive and lock down these environments, that's great too. And so start with that. Start with what are the business outcomes that you're looking to rather than the data sources. So awesome. I think the question is, what are your crown jewels? Who are the threat actors that are gonna be going after your crown jewels? And then work backwards from there. And what you may found, and this, this goes back to kind of cloud native, what you may find is a focus on proactive hardening might be more rewarding than better threats. Maybe you start off by not having any logs ingested, but you start snapshotting your configuration records in AWS. And you start checking to see, hey, are my security groups locked down the way they're supposed to be or not, right? That's that. Maybe that's the most valuable thing. It's, it's going to be about the business outcomes and being able to to measure them, define them, right? Treat this as an engineering project that you design. And afterwards you'll get to, okay, well, if this is what I wanted, what are the data sets that I need? Where are they find, found today? How do I go and collect them? And then get to collecting them. And maybe they'll be in the cloud. Maybe they'll be on-prem. Maybe they'll be out in SaaS, but work backwards from the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Interesting. So crunch in areas where their data, their data analytics is already taking place and then walk backwards. Crown jewels, wherever it is. Maybe what you're trying to secure is a physical warehouse. We, I work with a, with a customer called Prologis. They're the largest operator of physical warehouses in the country. And they collect all sorts of, of data to Snowflake, including 
badge data, like who's badging into the physical warehouses, right? Because maybe that's what they want to make sure that if somebody is badging in, they're really kind of around or if they're on vacation in Hawaii, like why did they just badge in, right? Maybe somebody stole their identity or stole their badge or whatever. So it's not even necessarily about where your data is. It's using the data to protect your crown, whatever they may be. Also, and to take another leaf from what Wasim was asking, so the immediate value question where, so our value proposition hasn't really changed. It's just how, or not, I don't want to use the word data sources again. So what are we using to display, hey, this is how we're giving value to the organization as a security. That hasn't changed. That still remains the same. It's just that we're trying to better ourselves by not using SIEM as a way to do protection and response. We already have these data lakes around in the company. How do you kind of tap into some of those to kind of find out like what could be a source of truth? Would that be right? Yeah. And, and I think the reason maybe why we're as an industry, we're so focused on what data sets do we bring in is because with SIM, that was so, it was so hard to bring in the data and it was like, oh, this is too much data. I'm going to spend a bunch of time shaving it down and bring my windows events. But if it's event 424 and not 420, I don't want to bring that too noisy. <laughs> and then we just on these log sources. It's like, let's assume that you have all the data. Let's just start with that assumption. Let's say you, you have all the data for as long as you, and it's in a place where you could join it with the business data. You could join it with threat intelligence. You could, you can really have all, you have the full picture, cybersecurity 360. Now let's start asking the hard questions of what do we care about as a security team? Like, what do we care about? What do we, and use that to drive drive your strategy. That's awesome. I think because I think telemetry and the whole standard was something that we touched on last week as well, where application provider has their own standard of writing a log as well. And you're trying to figure out, hey, what does this really mean? And then in your theme, there is that whole another language at that point. What, what do I use over here to try and make some sense of all these sources coming in? So I uh, appreciate. So for the questions that came in from the community for the folks who could not make it to the live, we have, we're part of Cloud Security Forum. And First question they asked was the layer of knobs to turn ownership of database objects, secure view, external encryption, and even uh, bring your own key BY. How would you prioritize them based on trading off usability and effectiveness in terms of reduction of attack surface, like long-term maintenance cost, obviously. Yeah. That sounds like a question that's coming from somebody that's responsible for securing a snowflake environment. And, uh, and I'm glad that he's thinking about that because it is something that uh, you don't want to just uh, trust that everything's working as it's supposed to be working as a security team. Yes. Think about cloud infrastructure security, but now also start thinking about data security. I mean, that, definitely that, that's important. This is where I would say as a security team, that's aligned with the data platform, that the rest of the company is using like work with the people that are managing that data platform and work with all the different advisors. And you mentioned bring your own key. That's a specific Snowflake feature. So I'm assuming they're a Snowflake customer, but we have an entire team of security field CTOs. Their expertise is data security. How do you lock down this environment? I think it's important, right? You have business data, maybe you have security data going in there and you want to make sure it's locked down. There's a lot of configurations that you can to, to harden it, like restricting which IP addresses can connect, for example. And then there are additional solutions that are focused on data security that, that check to see for example, you have a user that's all of a sudden pulling down a thousand records with social security numbers in them. Well, maybe that's an insider threat, right? So you get into classification, you get into monitoring. That's an entire area. But yeah, I think we should focus on how do, do we as security teams use that data platform to have a more effective security. Team. Oh, right. Okay. And to your point, the because there are two parts to this as well. One is the secure data lake itself, you're trying to grab information from the data lake. How do you get my pulse of security from that particular data source? But then there's the other side of how do I secure this thing as well? Because I want the right yeah. people to have access to this data because potentially some of that could be sensitive as well. Like there could be PII in oh, there sure. and a lot of other things in there. There are two sides to this as well. Yeah. And we see attackers, they're running a business. They're always following kind of 
where the money is. And the more that data is the new oil, the more that companies uh, have their most sensitive IP, the more, a lot of value in these data platforms, the more attackers are going to go after it. So yeah, beat them to it. Maybe an added side benefit of having the security program run on the central data platform is that security becomes more familiar with that data platform, right? Because they're using it to one of their tools now. So now it's not some strange thing off to the side. They have a better sense of it. They start feeling like, okay, I understand what RBAC means in a data platform. Well, let me ask some questions about what is our RBAC policy, right, for this. Right. Thing. And uh, thanks for clarifying that as well, because I think it's definitely worthwhile separating those two things out. One, one is just how do you do it internally? But then the other part is also how do you mitigate the threat to the platform itself? The other question yeah. that came from that was as S3 has a lot of different tiering options, would Snowflake consider going into this direction? A data lake may be flat, but they consume a lot of high priority information, like a lot of sensitive information. So they obviously yeah. want to stay tuned. We're always looking for ways to make our storage even more cost effective. Last quarter, we re released some compression improvements behind the scenes that improved by 30% compression. So all of a sudden storage drop up 30%, very significant for some customers. And if there's ways to use kind of S3 uh, behind the scenes, kind of different options to achieve further savings, I think it's something that we'll be looking at. But the first thing is to tap into the cost effectiveness of cloud native storage, right? The, the reality is for most SIMs out there today, you send data there, they're actually loading it into some server, which is going to be very expensive storage and not using the cloud native storage. In Snowflake, if you're running Snowflake on AWS, it is S3 under the hood. And that's how we can charge $23 a terabyte a month for storage. And we charge for compressed data. So it's actually going to be up to 10x compression on machine data. And you might be looking at 10 terabytes for $23 a month. That's why I can constantly say the limitations are removed. You're like the technology is out there now to have all your data in one place for as long as you need. Now let's talk about what you can do. Awesome. And the next question from the forum was also, is there a security data warehouse too, or is it just security data lake? <laughs> or what is the difference between yeah. a data lake and data warehouse? We can get into that. I honestly, I had no idea what a data warehouse was before I joined Snowflake, which just goes to show how much in cybersecurity we don't know enough about this area. They come from different places. The data warehouse was very structured. It was culminar and you needed to have all the data very well structured. Just by the way, why security? Because we have all these different data sources. They have all these different shapes and sizes and formats are always changing. Some sources will call it source IP. Some sources will call it SRC underscore IP. It's a mess, right? A lot of it is JSON. And data warehouses can, can hold that semi-structured data. Then you had data lakes which were all about the semi-structured data, but they had their own problems in terms of actually kind of working with the data, having governance on the data. What we're seeing now though, is that all the data platforms are really kind of meeting in the middle and they're taking the best of all the different cloud warehouse stuff, the best of the data lake stuff, and they're having it in this kind of data platform. And, and so you know, Snowflake doesn't call itself a data warehouse anymore. You have other places, players in the space coming from the data lake side, and now they're adding data warehouse capabilities. I wouldn't get into those semantics. I think the point is you want to be using cloud data platform. The important thing is that the storage is very cheap and limitless. And that when you need to ask tough questions, you have a lot of compute to throw at the problem. Like those are the things that a modern cloud data platform is going to be. Awesome. Uh, thanks for that. And of course, a few questions that came from David Matosik. That was on left on LinkedIn yesterday. So how is the security data like different from ACM? I think we should have answered that earlier. But I think it's worthwhile calling out if for someone who's listening to and going, how Seam gives me the same information, secure data lake would give me the same information as well. But seems like I would need like a data lake platform, or I guess, am I creating a data lake from scratch or do I have to buy a vendor to do this? Yeah. But it sounds like I already have a vendor with Seam. Too hung up on these categorizations because like a lot of this is just analysts and vendors making stuff up. 
to, to have something to sell you. I think the important thing is you need to have a place where you could put all your security data and, and be able to analyze it. And a SIM is a certain architecture. It's an architecture that is traditionally vertically integrated, came from the log management kind of requirements. So your SIM will typically have collectors, storage, analytics, and some investigation interface. Those are usually kind of, that. that's what a SIM is. What the security data lake is saying that storage and slash compute engine, let's rip that out. Let's take everything that's left and bolt that onto the data platform that the company, that's what, right. that's the security data like approach. So it's a different architecture. These aren't solutions as much as they are architectures. And then you go and look, you have a SIM like secure saying that they support bring your own snowflake. Well, they're still a SIM, but they're not a SIM in the traditional sense, because what they're saying is they're going to come to wherever your data is stored. They're going to accommodate that. They're going to support that kind of a direction where you're going of joining the rest of the company on a central data platform. And so I'm considering that a security data lake architecture. That's that's the important thing. So I'm smiling because I remember a lot of uh, companies that I've consulted for, there always was a regular theme with no matter what application you architect, all logs should go into scene. In respect, that's like, it's almost like a Hitler rule of if it's like, all logs should go into scene. What happens after that, do not care, but push them into scene. But I, I, I'm starting to see even more the value that a secure data lake would bring in. In an organization, you're not asking people to, hey, I want all your logs, send it over here. You already have the logs. You keep it where you keep it, but it's in your data lake. I'm just tapping into that existing platform to understand how do I make some sense of this so I can detect threats and respond to it in a timely basis. So I, I love that approach because you're almost removing that friction of, hey, I want to have all the logs into this amazing platform. But no, no, you already have the platform. So I, I love it. The other one was, how do you measure the value a security data lake provides to a customer versus a business executive? Yeah, I think measuring value is, is important. How do you go about doing it? It goes back to what is your security program all about? Well, first thing is, can you collect all the data? I think if you can show that before you were trying to juggle multiple data silos, you had some of the data going to the SIM, some of the data going to some S3 bucket, some of the data staying out with the EDR vendor. And you say, look, now I know as an incident responder, for example, I know that if I go to this data platform, I'm going to find my, my logs there. Even if it happened nine months ago on some server, somewhere in, in some, some cloud, I go to the data platform and that single source of truth, it's going to be there. Well, I think that's valuable, right? I think if you can also start measuring key risk indicators and show that they're trending in a good direction, that's one. I'll give you an example. We consider visit, when I was in the security engineering team at Snowflake, we considered visibility to be really important for us. Cause hey, if we don't have visibility, everything else that we're doing downstream for that, it's, it's going to be questionable, right? That's and right. so we started tracking that. We took our inventory, here are all the servers that we have. We had that in one table in the database. And then we had another table with all of the cloud trail logs or whatever agent logs, whatever it is. And we started comparing inventory to logs. And if we see a system in inventory that we don't see in the logs, that's a visibility gap. And if we boil it down to one number, just a percentage, that's what we can then report and show that to all the different stakeholders and say, by the end of the quarter, can we take this from a 70% to an 80%? And, and if we do, then great, that's value. And if you don't, that's still value because then at least that for whatever reason, our DevOps team does the tools or the manpower or whatever they need to successfully achieve the visibility targets that we're going after. So that kind of quantified approach, that measured approach, is something that you'll see a data platform really supporting because that's that kind of data warehouse BI background really shining through. It's all about measuring things and reporting it, but yeah. now that extends to 
logs and other data sources as well. Oh, and what about governance then? So the final question was, how do you govern a data lake with different classification of data in one place? Because I get, imagine everyone has PII, non-PII. How, how does governance work in that space then? Yeah, I think this is one of the challenges with an S3 data lake is that governance becomes really, really hard. And it's something that is Snowflake, we spend a lot of time on governance and, and there are policies that you can apply. Obviously, we're not going to go into them here. But yeah, there are techniques that are out there and there are tools too. That, that go in and they do classification and then they track to see what are kind of analysts querying for. Are they querying for a bunch of records that we understand have social security numbers, PII, or financial records, et cetera, and then have that as an input to the security team. They investigate that. I think increasingly we will see sources like that driving what the security operation is doing rather than just like malware on a laptop. Like actually some analysts that seems to be really keen on some private data. Like that's also something that security should investigate. Awesome. Uh, thanks for answering those questions. And thanks for uh, sending them through David, Machusek, as well as the Cloud Security Forum. And thank you for your patience as well, Andres. So Andres' question yeah. is AWS, uh, GCP, or Azure to create a secure data lake? Well, I got to say that I'm biased as a kind of, you know, I'm at Snowflake and Snowflake runs in all three. So I would say if, if you're using Snowflake, it really doesn't matter which three. I, and, and again, align to what the rest of the company is doing. I think security needs a partnership with the data organization. So Andre, if the rest of, of kind of the data strategy where you work is to be on Azure, build your security data lake on Azure. But if the company is going all in on AWS as the place where the rest of the data lives, well, join them there. Like this is really a, a partnership now. And you're going to really love not having to worry so much about kind of all the underlying stuff just knowing that you have the data there, now do interesting. Awesome. If you have a follow-up question, feel free to ask a follow-up question as well, Andre. Abdul asked a question as well. Omar Singer, I was reading one of your blogs about Panther and Snowflake integration. What would you advise immediately for a company who wants to automate their workload ASAP with all major features of a traditional theme to start with? I think the advice well, is on what's required first, I guess. How do you start? I mean, reach out to these vendors. They're experts at this. This is where, when, when I started this journey at Snowflake back in 2018, we didn't have vendors supporting this. So it was a bunch of like open source. I hired a bunch of Python developers building tooling ourselves, which is hard. And you're building tooling rather than actually doing the detection and response work, right? So I'd say now take advantage of the fact that you have experts at Panther Labs. You also have experts at additional solutions. If you require all the features of a traditional SIM, we're starting to see traditional SIM vendors embracing this architecture as well, right? And this is where you have, for example, Securonics now supporting this architecture as well. They're really coming at it with a different approach. If you value detection as code, if you want tests for your detections, CICD integration, Panther has built a phenomenal solution that I, I wish we had when we got started and we, you know, we didn't have to build all that custom tooling ourselves, but I'll share that we're actually in the process of fixing that and then actually bringing Panther into the security engineering team at Snowflake. So we're excited to use their tooling and they have some, some great customers out there. If you check out their website, Figma, for example, is a team that's using it and, and recorded a webinar talking about their experience. So I would check that stuff out and, and, and reach out. To them. Awesome. All right. Thank you. And up toward the, I think I missed the question before. I think this is a good one. Are we looking into new roles in the future as data security engineers or analysts who understand how data lakes work and managing security of data lakes? A security layer on top of a data lake architecture monitoring scanning. So are we opening up? I, I think I would say yes, mm. but I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion. I think so. Look at data security as an ecosystem. So many new solutions out there 
doing data security. Just like you have application security. Yeah, I think data security is going to be a thing. Again, I think uh, learning SQL is probably the best investment that anybody in cybersecurity can can do today. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never thought about it as kind of its own. I think as more and more companies are, are, are being data driven and going all in on a data first strategy. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a, a great role. And then also in the service of the security program, right? Because if you understand cybersecurity, you understand CIA, right? Confidentiality, integrity, and assurance uh, availability. If you understand uh, attacker TTP, and then you also understand data engineering, data science, BI. Now you combine those two. I mean, wow, that's uh, you're going to be a, a, a superstar. Like a unicorn for sure at that point. You could hire somebody like that today with as much budget as you wanted. I don't think you can hire somebody like that. Some skill. really, yeah, it would be a really unique skill set as well. But um, I, I guess this is uh, probably a, a final question from my side then. So if someone wants to start learning about this, where, where should one start? Like some, if I'm a security person listening to this, I think I've heard of data analytics. I think I know what I want. So how am I, how am I upskilling myself to be able to do a security data lake? What, what, what's that requirement? So, I mean, if you want to join now, the nice thing is you're joining you're getting in at the ground floor. You're joining at the really kind of the early days of a movement that I think is going to transform cybersecurity. So I definitely do it. You can add me on LinkedIn. I try to kind of post things about this that I'm seeing successful at different customers that are doing this using the hashtag security data lake. So hashtag security data lake on LinkedIn. What you're going to find is if you, if you search for that on LinkedIn, you're going to find testimonials. You're going to find customers now starting to talk about this. And just that Black Hat, for example, this is uh, yeah, just, just this week, right? We had, we had Black Hat. We had the head of security, Pallavi at Netgear. And she talks about how she moved and her team moved from a traditional SIM to a security data lake and why and how they did it. And she has guidance and advice for anybody doing it as well. And it's so awesome that now we're, we're kind of, we're still in very early days in this movement, but we have now enough security teams doing it. You're going to see leaders talking about it. So watch Pallavi's video, watch, you have Julie from Guild Education. She talks about her team's journey moving from a traditional SIM to running uh, Panther on on Snowflake. So Pallavi used Hunters on Snowflake, and, and and Julie from Guild Education, she used Panther on Snowflake. But they talk about it, and you're going to learn a lot hearing what they went through. And then talk to your data engineers or the, whoever's running kind of the, the data center of, in your company. Probably there's somebody right doing that. Talk to them and come to them with some of the challenges, like hey, I was really hoping to do better insider threat detection next year. What do you think about like approaching that together and work with them in a partnership and bring your expertise and they'll bring their expertise. And I think then you'll find that you're able to create some early successes and-, and build. Awesome. All right. So that's a sort of technical questions that I had. I've got some fun questions as well. There's not too many, just three of them. But I, I, I think this is really interesting. And I, I feel like I can keep going on the data lake pieces. But for the moment, uh, let's take the three questions, fun questions. First one, what do you spend most time on when you're not working on security data lake? Not working on security data lake. Well, I have a three-year-old and she takes up a lot of my time. So playgrounds, pushing her on the swing, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then I have a nice little setup in kind of my, it's not really a backyard, more like a porch here where I, yeah. I have some, some workout equipment where it, being stuck at home, work from home, pandemics, closures, who knows what we're going into. So try to also uh, exercise a little bit outside. Awesome. Good, good, yeah. That's a great, that's a great, that's a def definitely a positive use of their time as well. Uh, second question, what is something that you're proud of, but is not on your social media? Proud of, but not on social media. I think it's the security operations center that I ran at my, my previous role. I was at an MSSP and we need to do 24 by seven security. And it's hard. You do the graveyard shift on that. 
it's hard to stay focused and, and do this job 24 by seven. And what we did is we took a chance on some people that really were interested in cybersecurity, but had no background. Nobody was taking their resumes and we took a chance on them and we built a training program internally. And I see now how they're advancing and like the, by now they're not doing the graveyard shift anymore because everybody you know wants to get out of that. But they're doing the, these great roles at, at, at great security teams. And, uh, and I'm really proud of giving, giving those individuals their, their start. And it's just, it's so much fun to see where, where they're advancing their security. Career. Wow. Yeah. I think you've, 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 you've laid the seed for, uh, for, for a great future for a lot of people. That's pretty awesome then. What, what the, uh, so last question, what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share? Cuisine or restaurant? I think Italian, man. I think uh, you can't go wrong with Italian, right? You got pizza for during the week. You want to go to fancy dinner. You take the missus out to some fancy Italian restaurant. She's happy. So yeah, I got to give credit to the Italian cuisine. That's awesome, man. Fun so, question. and. I, I, yeah, so that's was the question that I had, but where can people find you? To I think you mentioned LinkedIn earlier. Is LinkedIn the best place yeah. to hang out and connect with you for people who have more questions yeah, about Yeah, that is LinkedIn, Omer Singer, Omer with an E, Singer. Add me on LinkedIn and, uh, and reach out. And I, I really feel like this is a movement. So if you if you're if you're a part of this movement, if you're getting started at your company to taking a more data driven approach to your security program, reach out. Let's set a Zoom. Let's let's catch up and and help each other as we try to do better security with better data. Yeah, awesome. And I, I want to quickly give a good shout out to all the interesting questions that came in as well. So thank you everyone who kind of participated as well. For everyone else, next weekend I've got someone from our class coming and talking about how they're using observability platforms. So it's going to be a really interesting conversation over there as well. That's the other part of using cloud native but thank you Omar for coming in I really appreciate your time man I'll probably see everyone next time but thanks so much man I think we need to bring you again I so we can at least finish the, all the other questions I, that I had that. awesome thanks man thanks everyone and I'll, I'll see you all together next week bye Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.